0: a world war three update the abraham accord did not start the final seven years several humanitarian hoaxes designed to take america down all in today's headlines and we will discuss these and other current events from a biblical perspective on this edition of end of the age Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. I am back in the studio today. We were at our Indianapolis General Conference. At the General Conference, we have once a year. We have missionaries from all over the world, evangelists, pastors. People come into one central location, and we have services. and It's just a great time to. to meet and greet and have meetings because we're all working towards one goal, and that's true, teach and preach the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. Well, that's what happened last week. And so I'm happy to be back here in the studio today with you and I'm looking forward to a lot of current events, things that are coming up, and we're gonna get right off into the news. One thing that you can help me pray about is that I will be up on the uh, in near Branson doing the, on the Jim Baker show this coming Friday and really want God's presence to be in uh, on the show and to anoint me. And so I would ask that you would remember me in your prayers. Um, I was on with Jim and Lori Baker, uh, three or four months ago on zoom. And now I'm going up there to be in studio with him. The program will be taped on Friday and then it will be aired um, sometime before very long on their uh, the, the network there. So just remember me that God would anoint me and we would have a great uh, interview with uh, Jim and Lori Baker, Mondo, and all the rest of them that are on the program there. We've got a great relationship with them. And so um, just ask God's hand would be upon that interview. Should be a great time. I got along great with Jim and Lori Baker and the rest of the team there. And so looking forward to that interview coming up this Friday morning. So remember us as we travel up there. Now, let's get off into some news here. World War III update, Revelation 9, verse 13 through 16. The Bible says, then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, hey, release the four angels. Now, this has not happened yet. Uh, it, well, I shouldn't say that. Some people believe World War III has already begun and that it's just not escalated to the point where we've had mass casualties. But if it, if it hasn't already happened, it will happen before very long. It's one of the next two events to occur on God's prophetic timeline. So the Bible says, release the four angels, which are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for an hour a day, a month and a year, they were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, the number of the army of the horsemen were 200 million, and I heard the number of them. So three things we know from this. The, Euphra- it, it, the war will emanate from the Euphrates River region. The Euphrates River region housed in Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. We watch this area very closely all the time. And I've been watching Iran for years. Irvin Baxter did as well. I mean, because Iran is just a situation that's not going away. There have been civil wars and many different things that have happened all up and down the Euphrates for years and years now. However, Iran, the Iran situation, is not going away. So there was an article recently, a U.S.-Iran war could mean hundreds of thousands of deaths. There are a lot of people that watch this, U.S.-Iran, Israel, Russia-China situation boiling right there in the Middle East. The article states that clearly the U.S. and Iran have been at odds for many years. And that's really an understatement for sure. The Iranian hostage crisis. You remember way back, beginning in, man, what was that, 1979? 1979? It helped to bring down the presidency of of Jimmy Carter, if you understand some history now. And then during the um, Iraq War, Iran often assisted insurgents while the U.S. put sanctions on Iran. And after a brief period in the Obama presidency, when the parties negotiated the, the nuclear agreement, the JCPOA, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the Trump administration obviously withdrew from that deal because he realized, hey, it's going to allow him to get a... There were sunset clauses that would end, allowing them to get a a, a um, nuclear agreement anyway. So he withdrew from it and just hammered them with sanctions to try to keep them from getting a nuclear bomb. And then, of course, the Trump administration assassinated Iranian Major um, General Qasem Soleimani. But none of that resulted in a full-on war between the United States and Iran, including the killing of Soleimani, which some speculated at the time would lead to a significant escalation. It didn't. But back in early 2020, shortly after the assassination of Soleimani, Vox, they looked at what it might look like if the two countries actually went to war. At the time, per Vox, the Eurasia group placed the likelihood of a limited or major military confrontation between the United States and Iran at about 40%. Now, think about full-out war in the Middle East, okay? Now, we've had confrontations. We've had different things go on. There was the Iraq War and some, some different things, but I'm talking about the United States going in and hammering... Iran. This is, I'm speculating now, but many people think that this could happen in the very near future. Whereas, and we've said it many times, as much of an ally as we are to Israel, China and Russia are an ally to Iran. So imagine if Russia were to attack Israel today. What do you think the United States would do? we would be right in there, right? I mean, we're going to come in there and we're going to come to Israel's aid. United States, uh, Israel's now under CENTCOM, Central Command in the Middle East, uh, working right alongside the United States. So we're allies. If Russia come against Israel today, we would be right in there helping Israel. So imagine if the United States attacked, went in and attacked Iran. Well, you can only imagine the ramifications of that. That's kind of what they're talking about here in this article. Vox asked... Eight experts, what it would look like if such a war were to take place. Now again, on the big timeline that God's given us from the Old Testament prophets to Revelation 22, in all of those prophecies that are supposed to happen, this is the next two, the Sixth Trumpet War and the Middle East Peace Agreement, which I'm going to be talking about in just a moment on the other side of the break. The next two to occur on God's prophetic timeline, a Middle East war, that when the smoke clears, one-third of the world's population is going to start there, move out around the world. And there's this article saying that an Iran-Israeli war, 200...
1: Major Internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth we will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the H Plus in the App Store or Google Play.
2: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
0: So, the Six Trumpet War, many experts got together to see what it would look like if such a war were to take place. They stated, and I'm quoting, hey, Iranian forces could bomb an American oil tanker. This is very likely, if you've seen what's going on over there in the Middle East region lately, that was traveling through the Straits of Hormuz, which obviously a vital waterway for the global energy trade, aggressively patrolled by Tehran's forces, causing loss of life and a catastrophic oil spill. Or the country's skillful hackers could launch a a major cyber attack on regional allies like Saudi Arabia or the United Arab Emirates. And experts also called it particularly likely that Iran would target and murder American troops and diplomats in Iraq. There are many, many other scenarios of of escalation raised. I mean, if Tehran destroyed the oil tanker, killing people and causing the oil spill, the U.S. might destroy some of Iran's ships. If Iran took out another U.S. military drone, the U.S. might uh, take out some of Iran's air defenses. Just different scenarios that people are talking about in the news right now. If, and if Iranian-backed militants killed Americans in Iraq... Then U.S. troops stationed there could retaliate, killing militia fighters and targeting their bases of operation in return. Then the U.S. could even bomb certain training grounds inside Iran or or kill high-level officials. Various scenarios raised also involved the U.S. sending troops to the region as a deterrent and the two sides essentially daring each other to strike first. Unintended civilian casualties or other collateral damage is always possible, and it is not clear that this administration or any other administration understand what Iran's own red lines are. That was from Jasmine El-Gamal of the Atlantic Council, which is a think tank in Washington, uh, told Vox, As such, the greatest risk of a full-blown war comes from one side miscalculating the other's tolerance for conflict. And as for the war itself, Vox's experts predicted that the U.S. strategy would almost certainly involve using an overwhelming air and naval power to beat Iran into submission early on. And this would involve cyber attacks, bombing Iranian ships, parked warplanes, missile sites, nuclear facilities, training grounds. But a ground invasion, however, would be extremely complicated to pull off due to the geography of the terrain, and it would be costly, both in money and in lives. So there are people actually talking about this war just ahead of us now. Now, you say, are you guaranteeing it's going to be United States and Iran? No, I'm not. I, I cannot do that. Um, I've watched it for years. It's not going away. Can I say, yes, it's going to be United States and Iran? No, I cannot say that. But it's highly likely that it could be if you understand the geopolitical, the religious situation on the ground there. They go on to say that a U.S.-Iram war would likely lead to thousands or hundreds of thousands of dead trying to forcibly remove the country's leadership. Experts that say that it might drive the, the, um, that total into the millions, the report said. Well... Again, Revelation 9, verse 13 through 16 speaks of a war that's coming out of the Middle East region that will, when the smoke clears, kill one-third of the world's population. And then there, there's many articles talking about an Iran-United States or Iran-Israel war. And I just found this one the other day. I read it this weekend about it could lead to thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of casualties were they to go to war against each other. The problem really escalates when you think of a United States, Iran, which leads to United States, Iran, Russia, China situation. Maybe get some of, of the European nations involved, some of NATO, and then you've got World War III. We know it's going to be World War Three, World War I, 8.2 million killed, World War II, about just over 50 million casualties. This war, one third of the world's population, that would be in today's figures, what, 2.75, roughly? Billion, with a B, over 40 times World War Two. So again, it's an ominous prophecy. I don't like talking about it, but If you watch and and study what's going on, the geopolitical situation in the Middle East, you've got to watch these things because there's four nations that house the Euphrates River. The Bible says that's where it's going to start. I know, I understand, believe me, I'm following the China-Taiwan situation. I'm following Russia and Eastern Europe and everything that's going on. But the most likely place, according to scripture, would be right there in the Middle East region, Uh, how that would come into play with china Taiwan situation, I don't know at this point. But it's something that we all need to be watching for because it's one of the next two events to to happen on God's prophetic timeline. Now, the second event on God's prophetic timeline, Daniel 9.27, prophesies that the Antichrist will confirm Israel's right to exist in the Promised Land. This peace agreement is going to be a a seven-year temporary agreement. And it will be temporary because the status of Jerusalem will be left unresolved. So, what's one of the main characteristics? I wanted to go through this first before I got to the news headline. One of the main characteristics of the peace agreement that starts the final seven years has to be, okay? Think about the Abraham Accords and what they're doing now. The Abraham Accords, we're a year into that. And nothing is being done from the Abraham Accords with the Palestinian state. One of the characteristics of the peace agreement that starts the final seven years is the creation of a Palestinian state in Judea. The the peace agreement will provide for a Palestinian state in the West Bank, which Jesus referred to it as Judea. It's the modern day West Bank. So historically and biblically, this is the area referred to as Judea, And the agreement is also going to allow Jews in Judea to remain as a Jewish minority. You would recognize them today as settlers. They're going to remain out there as a Jewish minority under that Palestinian state. It's coming. The Abraham Accords has not provided for this. It's not. The Abraham Accords could lead to and eventually... Turn into the agreement because when the Palestinians get on board. But until that happens, the Abraham Accords is not the peace agreement that starts the final seven years. This is one of the main characteristics is the two state solution, a, a Palestinian state. We know this from the prophecy of Jesus in Matthew 24, 15 through 18 and 21. Jesus said, now you understand the prophecy of the abomination of desolation is given in Daniel 9, 27, Jesus refers back to that and he says when you therefore now in he's talking about it here in the Olivet Discourse they ask him at the beginning of the chapter Matthew 24 what's gonna be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age so when he's the rest of the chapter is him giving things that will happen at the end of the age at the time of his second coming so he says and when you see the therefore the abomination of desolation And he says, spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea. Now, remember, he's talking our time. He says, then let them which be in Judea flee. Then let them which are in the West Bank at the end of the age, let them flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field go back to take his clothes. You guys just hit the ground running. Why? Because verse 21 says, For then shall be great tribulation, great persecution, such as was not since the beginning of the world. Not the the Spanish Inquisition or all the crusades and different things that happened. All the inquisitions. No, nor ever shall be again. It's going to be the worst time of persecution the world's ever known. It's the great tribulation. So in this passage, Jesus is painting a picture of, of the Jews living under a hostile government in Judea. When the abomination of desolation occurs, halfway through the seven year agreement, the Jews living in Judea will have to flee for their lives. And this event will launch the final three and one half years called the Great Tribulation. So amazingly, this scenario Jesus painted 2,000 years ago is exactly what is presently being discussed in these peace negotiations and the, all of the, these articles and everything surrounding this peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians, the Palestinians contend that the only hope for peace between them and the Israelis is a two-state solution. Now, let me pause. Who is the only entity vying for the West Bank as we speak? It's not China, it's not Russia. It's not the United Arab Emirates. It's not Bahrain, the people that have already entered into the Abraham Accords, right? They're not vying for, uh, for, the, uh, for um, the West Bank as their state. They've already got their own country. It's only the Palestinians. The international community recognizes that this conflict is between Israelis and the Palestinians. And so, there's go, I've, had, I've heard people say, well, it doesn't mention anything about a Palestinian state. Jesus was talking about the geopolitical situation at the time of the end of the age. Once you understand that, then you know it has to deal with the Palestinians. The Palestinians claim that their state should be established in Judea. Nobody else is asking for that, which obviously is the modern day West Bank. So the United States, the European Union, the United Nations, they all agree that the two-state solution is the only viable solution to the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. The Abraham Accord currently mentions nothing about that. So the Israeli, um, former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, he embraced the two-state solution as the ultimate answer to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Yair Lapid who is in the sharing arrangement with Naftali Bennett, the current Israeli government, he is right now the, uh, what is he, the foreign minister. He's saying, hey, everybody knows I'm pro two-state solution. Well, Yair Lapid just told the, the Palestinian Authority, hey, join the Abraham Accords, our hand is extended in peace. And, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is because a lot of people, I talked to an a, a individual, I think it was Friday, was it? Yeah, Friday morning. that said, oh no, the Abraham Accord started the final seven years. And I said, well, nah, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you on that one because what, what about the characteristics? What about the allowing of the, of the third temple? What about the two-state solution? Everything that has to do with the Palestinians. None of those things are allowed for yet. But here Lapid just told the Palestinian Authority, hey, why don't you join the Abraham Accords? Our hand is extended in peace because the Abraham Accords are being very, very successful. The Knesset marks the one-year anniversary of the Abraham Accords. And to those who would wage war on, um, Yair Lapid has said, hey, to those who would wage war on Israel, we are stronger than you think. So the Knesset held an event uh, Monday afternoon to mark the one-year anniversary of the Abraham Accords with the participation of the architects of the peace agreement. Jared Kushner, Avi Berkowitz was there, um, as well as Kushner's wife, Ivanka Trump, President Trump's daughter. So the Moroccan ambassador to Israel is, also took part alongside them. Foreign minister Yair Lapid of Israel said at the event that during the meeting, during his meetings in Washington that he wants to deal, among other things, with the expanding of the agreements. One of my topics, he said, on the trip to Washington is the expansion of a number of countries in the agreement. The Abraham, will, Abraham Accords will go down in history as one of the moments when people choose life. The new government in Israel not only accepted and embraced the Abraham Accords, but it moved them forward. And it made them a lever of a a, a new reality, economic security and political. They want the Palestinians to get on board. Yair Lapid thanked opposition leader Benjamin Netanyahu and former U.S. President Trump for leading the Abraham Accord agreements. He said, I want to thank President Trump for his part in the agreements and to thank opposition leader Netanyahu for doing a great deal with these agreements. And the state of Israel owes them a lot. And he called on other countries to join the accords. Here it is, especially the Palestinian Authority. He said, I take this opportunity to call on the Palestinians as well as the citizens of every Arab nation turn to peace. Now I want to pause there. You understand that Yair Lapid and everybody else, the Arab nations, the European Union, the international community, the United States, they all recognize that the Palestinians are not on board at this point. So it's proof positive that the Abraham Accords did not start the final seven years. When the Palestinians sign on and it has the five characteristics of the prophesied peace agreement, then yes, we will have started the final seven years. That has not happened yet. And so it's very important that we understand um, because once the final seven years is set in motion, End Time Ministries is going to mail a magazine to every home in Israel. We'll be watching for the building of the third temple. They're gonna resume sacrifices. We'll do the door knocking campaign three years in. And then we'll have the abomination of desolation. We move off into the final three and one half years. And then it's the second coming of Jesus Christ, right? So I wanna make sure that we all understand what we're watching for in the news
3: right now. It's very important because we're in the end time, it's easy. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war or floundering economies, end time events are happening around the world every day.
0: According to the Israel National News, Yair Lapid, the former minister of Israel, said, hey, I want to take this opportunity to call on the Palestinians as well as the citizenry of every Arab nation to turn to peace. The people of Israel have not returned to their ancient homeland to fight, but to build a life of prosperity and good neighborliness here. So again, when the Palestinians get on board and sign a peace agreement with Israel that allows for all of the characteristics of the prophesied peace agreement, then we will move off into the final seven year period. Now, let's switch gears here and move to the prophesied world government. I've got a very interesting news topic to go over with you. 650 years before John wrote the book of Revelation, Daniel was given a vision of four beasts that represented kingdoms or nations that would exist on the t- at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. There were four beasts. They, they were described in Daniel 7, 4 through 7. These are modern nations and they symbolize a lion with eagle's wings, Great Britain and the United States, a bear, Russia, the four-headed leopard, Germany, and a ten-horned beast, the reborn Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union in Revelation, uh, in the book of Revelation, John uses these exact same symbols of nations to describe the end time world government. But in John's account, the four separate nations in Daniel seven have federalized into one large global governing body. So the interpretation of Revelation 13, one through two would go something like this. John said, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a, a beast not four beasts, but a single beast, one beast, federalized together, rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns, representing the European Union, ten crowns, upon his heads the name of blasphemy. John said, and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. So it's got the body of the leopard, Germany, feet as the feet of the bear, Russia, mouth as the mouth of the lion, Great Britain, and the dragon, or Satan, gave it its power, seat, and great authority. It's Revelation 13, one through two. This is a 2,000-year-old prophecy of the world, the end-time world government that is currently being established. We're watching it on... on it, the United Nations is the seat of that world government. The United Nations was, was created to be a world government. And we're watching the world government being established right now. The World Bank, uh, World Health Organization... World Court, uh, International Monetary Fund. I mean, you, there's, there's, there are a plethora of tentacles to this big octopus of the world government. Now, how are they getting? How are they getting everybody to pledge allegiance to this? I mean, that's the goal, right? Or getting everybody to yield their sovereignty? And a lot of nations are doing it, and they're trying it really hard here in the United States. So. Fear Capital F-E-A-R Fear Fear is basically An emotion Caused by the threat Of danger Have you ever been scared of anything That never even happened You just got so built up in fear That it never even happened But yet there was a threat of danger So you're scared out of your mind Well for thousands of years, fear has been used by pharaohs, kings, monarchs, uh, emperors, caliphates, presidents, politicians, and even even religious leaders to enslave the populace. Fear will put you in an absolute, prison cell in your mind, a total state of paralysis. Over time, the process of getting people afraid, it's been refined, but the objective has never changed. It's all about control. Now, it, it, obviously, if there's something that really is happening, you need to warn people. That's one thing. But when it's all propaganda, very deceptive, right? So in today's society, the concept is simple and it's been extremely successful. You can promote a crisis, whether it's real or imagined, which creates fear among the people. Once that's established, declare that government oversight, gross taxation, surveillance, and increased regulation offer the only solutions, right? It's happening right now in the United States. But you see the goal all along is greater dependency on the government as the citizens protector and provider, which leads to more control, right? The crisis is used by a president, politician, or religious leader as a means to an end. Consider the global warming of the climate change hoax that is being promulgated globally. Global elites around the world are spreading the deception that mankind caused the surface of the planet to increase in temperature due to greenhouse gases or carbon carbon dioxide, etc., and that humans have emitted. So we're the we're the cause, right? "Quote unquote," um, supposedly. Then they warn that if this continues unchecked, the planet could experience. Uh, rising sea levels and increased rain and snowfall and more damaging wildfires, heat waves, health risks, droughts, hurricanes. I mean, you name it, um, declining fresh water supplies. I just read this morning about a supposed global water shortage, uh, floods that will threaten our infrastructure, agriculture, transportation, everything, air quality. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And, um, By the way, spruce bark beetles are eating more trees than ever before. Okay, right? Uh, So, uh, a crisis on every side. Fear mode, fear, fear. People spreading fear. So, only this time, their agenda is not to achieve greater alliance on a national government. Global warming or climate change is considered a universal problem. And we all, what, breathe the same air, that we share the same water, we rely on the same dirt to produce our food. So therefore, the solution must be an international authority. Yes, that's right. The global warming crisis was created for one single purpose, to establish a world governing body that will control the lives of every person on the earth. So, in August of 2020, there was an article written, and now it, you understand what's going on here in the United States. They wanna, the, the, the socialism has, is sweeping most of the globe. The United States is the last great holdout. The United Nations, totally socialistic. So they want the world to be socialistic and to answer to a world governing body. That's what's going on here. It's what's been happening for decades in the United States. They're trying to push us towards socialism. Well, there was an article in August of 2020 called Killing America with Kindness. And it states that touted as humanitarian causes, the real truth that they are destroying democratic countries from within and calling it change. An interview with author Linda Goudsmit on her recently published book, the Book of Humanitarian Hoaxes. Now, I, I want to make sure you get this. I just bought the book. The book is coming. I, I'm thinking I'm getting it today. This is something you should read. I read some of, I, I'll go through some of this article, but the book is called The Book of Humanitarian Hoaxes Killing America with Kindness. This is something you should you ought to get If you want to be educated on kind of what's going on with a lot of these hoaxes and propaganda, this would be a good book for you to get. Now, they interview Linda, and they say, this is the article, Linda, when did you have the blazing insight that what you were witnessing in the politics of America leftists were not sincere efforts to improve the system, but rather elaborate elaborate hoaxes designed to destroy our country? And the author said, well, from 2017 to 2019, I wrote a number of articles, and I, and, um, I have one of them which I could share. If you want me to share the article, D. Robbins at endtime.com. I wrote a number of articles in response to current events. At about the third article, she said, I realized that there was a constant pattern of leftist political policies that were presented as altruistic, but in reality were deceitful, tactical, political strategies Deliberately designed to collapse and to destroy America from within. She says, yes, there are many perpetrators of this stealth attack. And male violence describes its destructiveness. She said, but the huckster in chief is, according to her, Barack Hussein Obama, who from his first appearance on the national and international stage, proclaimed his intention to fundamentally transform America. Now, you understand, President Obama was, he, he's, he basically was a front man. There are people behind the scenes, really, that have the, the wheels in motion. He was just a, a, a speaker of it, and him and many others. According to this article, though, she, she's focusing in on President Obama. Of course, she says, most Americans had no idea that Obama's goal was to replace our constitutional republic with socialism. She said, we're witnessing the extraordinary success of his seditious plan today. Now, this article was in 2020, just before President Trump's, uh, just before the the last election where President Trump lost. She said, it takes ideology and money to fundamentally transform America. President Obama's anti-American, pro-Muslim, Marxist ideology is taught through Common Core in our schools across America. She says the Black Lives Matter and Antifa so-called protesters who were rampaging through our country, toppling historical statues, proclaiming their goal and to destroy our constitutional republic, are actually graduates from our own public school systems. And they're acting with the incitement of Obama's resistance group, Organizing for Action, or OFA, as well as with the collusion of the globalist media, the collaboration of the rhinos, uh, Republican in names only, most of you know that, and corrupt, radical, leftist Democrats in Congress, and the cooperation of Democratic mayors and governors, all of them financed, courtesy of their globalist handlers. And so the interviewer says, well, you elaborate in your book what their endgame is. Listen at this, folks. She says, yes. And, I mean, Irvin Baxter and I have been talking about this, for years, my father-in-law talked about it for decades, talking about the the uh, Trilateral Commission and the um, Council on Foreign Relations, the Brookings Institute, the Federal Reserve. All of these people working together in these private clubs to for a world government. So she says, yes, in my book, the end game is for these Marxists. The end game is socialism. Or communism. Well, the world government's socialistic. The Bible says the end time world government will be a socialistic one world governing body. Revelation 17, three, a red seven headed ten horned beast. The color red in other prophecies lets us know that it's socialistic or communistic. Well, she says, yes, These are these are Marxist individuals and the end game is socialism or communism. She said, but for the globalists, somebody who believes in a world government, I'm going to hold here. I know I'm coming up on the break. I don't want to cut this now. You've got to hear this. We've been talking about this for years. This lady marches right down from a secular position what we've been talking about in the prophecies of the Bible for decades now. It's a 2,000-year-old prophecy coming to pass.
4: I've been part of the end-time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room.
0: Now I want to tell you, I've, I have purchased the book, the book of humanitarian hoaxes, killing America with kindness. I'm going to go, I'm going to read the book and then I will come. If you don't want to buy the book, I'm going to come on the air and go through it with you because I want you to really know what's going on because this is happening right now. And you know, I wonder about the the, the food shortage and all these different shortages they're having, they're having. I think it, I I honestly, I'm speculating, but if you think about it, what better way to tear down a system than to have so many shortages because all of these shortages, if we had so many shortages, what are people going to do? The first thing that we'll do is look to government. And that's, I think it's all by grand design. Now, this is my own personal opinion and maybe I'll prove to be wrong, be proven wrong later on. I don't think so though. Because this article the, the woman's name being interviewed is Linda Goudschmidt. She's the one who wrote the book, The Book of Humanitarian Hoaxes. And she lays it out here, what's really going on. She said, these Marxists, their end game is socialism or communism. She said, but for the globalists who finance them and their mayhem, the end game of socialism is the new world order, a one-world government ruled by the globalist elite themselves, of course. Well... I just read to you the prophecy, a 2,000-year-old prophecy of a world government that will be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Linda goes on to say the the, uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa are simply, she says, useful idiots. In other words, they're not 100% sure what they're doing. They're just wrapped up in this cause and going at it. This is from the article and I'm quoting, okay? She says their supporters are low information individuals who have no clue that the globalists bankrolling this global anarchy and social chaos fully intend to impose a one world government through the auspices of the United Nations. This is exactly what's happening. The human induced global warming which leads to climate change, all this other fear tactics, getting everybody scared out of their mind. It all boils down to they want to control you. You say, so you say, well, what do we do? Well, I turn to Jesus Christ. I'm not in fear mode. I'm preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. If you're looking to government in help for help in time of need, you're going to be, you're going to be a miserable individual. If you're looking to Jesus Christ, that's your safety in the end time. Jesus Christ is my hope. He's my Lord, my God, and my Savior. I look to him, and I have a wonderful relationship with him. He's my best friend. The Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother even. So I look to Jesus Christ. I'm not in fear mode. As I talk to you about this on the radio today, I'm not scared. I'm not worried about Joe Biden and and, uh, uh, Barack Obama and none of the globalists. I'm not worried about that. I'm concerned. What does Jesus think? That's the main thing. But we've got to talk about this because it's happening in the news right now, right? It's the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, letting us know we're right here before the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the interviewer says, well, hey, uh, Linda Goldschmidt, in your book, you also describe how both corporate sponsors and businesses support radical groups like BLM and Antifa. She says, yeah, follow the money. It's always about following the money. The corporate sponsors of Black Lives Matter and Antifa know exactly what the plan is. The 279 globalist countries currently supporting BLM, for instance, they manufacture their goods with cheap labor in China. President Trump put the hurt on China with his devastating tariffs and it's a financial nightmare for these globalist companies. So they want to get rid of President Trump. Now this is again this is 2020 right before the president presidential election on November 3rd. She said they want to get rid of President Tr- of Trump and go back to business as usual with a guy like she says Joe Biden, a corrupt democrat tool of the globalist and Communist Chinese the interviewer says, well, the whole notion of a hoax is something that um, people both the american and and the uh, and, and the international public look for she said um, are, are not paying any attention to. She said, what ingredients do you believe went into fooling such a massive number of people when it came to when it came um, electing an inexperienced community organizer to the presidency of the United States. She's talking about Barack Obama. Well, she says, after World War II, it was obvious to the entire world that America could not be defeated militarily. I mean, we won the European campaign and the Pacific campaign, World War II. She says, but our enemies did not go quietly into the night. They regrouped revised their tactical attack plan as an insidious culture war designed to collapse America from within. They targeted three, the three supporting pillars of American society, family, faith, and our flag. And they pitted American capitalism versus socialism, American uh, individualism versus socialist collectivism, American freedom versus cradle-to-grave dependency on government. And then they groomed the perfect candidate, Barack Obama, to do their bidding. Now, President Trump, now obviously, now this is, uh, I think it was August 2020 when the article was written. So, then she says, that the interviewer says, well, you've written in depth about the two weapons in the culture war. She said, yeah, they're psychological regression and disinformation. Radical leftist Democrats routinely engage in political correctness, moral relativism, historical revisionism, all basic operating principles of the disinformation campaign. Children don't question what they are told, and neither do psychologically regressed, propagandized leftist liberals who happen to be chronological adults. She said they really are regressives, not progressives. And you can see this every day when perfectly normal-looking people embody the humanitarian hoax behaviors described in her book. And they are emotional children disguised as adults. Now, listen at this. This is just a sample of what's in this book. The interviewer says, well, hey, please explain briefly some of the um, humanitarian hoaxes that are being promulgated in America. This is just a few. She says, well, diversity. Number one, she said it's presented as a leftist tolerance, inclusive and compassion. But she said, in reality, there's no diversity of opinion tolerated by the left. Leftist diversity is presented as altruism. But designed to eliminate freedom of thought and freedom of speech. I mean, if they say it, it's okay. But if some of the conservative give their opinion, then oh no, that's just, we gotta shut that down. We gotta censor them and we gotta cancel them from YouTube. And this is happening in our society as we speak. Another one is, she says, man made global climate change. She, it's presented as the most serious challenge facing humanity. And she says the leftist n- narrative claims all efforts must be directed at saving the planet from global warming or we will perish in 12 years, right? You've heard that. Well, in reality, climate change hysteria is the United Nations political scheme. You know, this is one of my candy sticks. I've been talking about this for years. She said, climate change hysteria, the United Nations political scheme to transfer the wealth of productive industrialized nations, especially the United States, to non-industrialized, non-productive nations, it is globalized socialism. So, uh, wealth redistribution is one of the major planks of socialism, folks. And, man, I've been talking about this and the sustainable development goals. It's all about wealth redistribution. It's globalized socialism. She says gun control. She says, it's pres- now these are the, some of the hoaxes that are go- being promulgated in the United States. Gun control. It's presented as an effort to reduce gun violence in society. But she says, in reality, gun control is the effort to eliminate the Second Amendment, disarm the public, and which was something our founding fathers are de- were determined to avoid. She says, com- they, uh, community organizing. It's presented as the altruistic effort to end poverty. But in reality, community organizing is the Cloward-Piven strategy. I'm going to do a program on this Cloward-Piven strategy before long, which is to overload the welfare system and to collapse the U.S. economy. Then she says Muslim Brotherhood presents itself as a civil rights organization advocating peace and tolerance. But in reality, the Brotherhood's mission is to subjugate host populations in North America and replace host religions and cultures with... Islam and Sharia law. She says um, another humanitarian hoax, Planned Parenthood. She says it presents itself as the ultimate healthcare provider to an undeserved or an underserved population and a provider of sex education in schools. But in reality, Planned Parenthood is an active participant in the culture war on America, attempting to promote gender confusion promiscuous sex, and unrestricted abortion on demand. Now, there's another article, The Humanitarian Hoax of Globalism. And I'll send you this article. I don't know if I'm going to get all the way through it. But if you email me, drobinsatendtime.com, I'll send you the article. uh, I'll send you the link to it, and you can check it out. The Humanitarian Hoax of Globalism. We have written so many articles on globalism, not now there's there. This is part of the propaganda. When you say globalism, we've written on what globalism really is doing away with the borders, doing away with the nation state, not protecting our borders. Have you heard anything about that lately? I mean, I live here in Texas. I understand very well the border crisis going on on our southern border. Okay. But true globalism is to do away with the borders, have a borderless world, create one global state that answers to a world government. But a lot of people don't like to say, well, globalism really is global trade. That's not the true definition of globalism. So the humanitarian hoax of globalism, killing America with kindness. Another one, hoax number 24 by Linda Goldschmidt. So, the humanitarian hoax is a deliberate, deceitful tactic of presenting a destructive policy as altruistic. The humanitarian huckster presents himself as a compassionate advocate when, in fact, he is the disguised enemy. The humanitarian hoax of globalism requires clarification. Globalism is the internationalizing of sovereign nations into a federation of one world government, folks, ruled by the globalist elite themselves. Globalism is internationalized collectivism. Globalism is not to be confused with global trade. Global trade is the import and export of goods and services across international boundaries. Boundaries. That is not, but the globalism we're talking about here is um, globalism, world government, uh, removing the borders. Um, the European Union is a perfect example of removing the borders and tariffs and everybody pledging their sovereignty to a one uh, central group which is in the parliament building in Brussels, Belgium. The European Union is continually, those nations are continually being um, asked to relinquish more sovereignty, more sovereignty. It's a process of globalism. Man, I just just got started on this article but um, email me, I'll send it to you. It goes through, ex- many of this stuff is what's going through um, in our world today. The book by Linda gauchmidt is the book of humanitarian hoaxes, killing America with kindness. You don't have a copy of it, go purchase it. A great read about what's going on right now.
4: This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries.